think what's most important to remember is that should I be elected on November 8th, and I hope that I am, that, you know, even the most radical of beliefs, th those beliefs are here in this district and people just want to be heard. Um, and I want to hear them. You know, if you're going to represent a district, you have to represent everyone. favorite, I guess now, semi-weekly <laughs> political podcast. Well, I know we took, a, we took a week off last week. I'm sorry I had to travel. I had to, had to go do some stuff that, uh, you know, for, for my other job. And, and one day soon, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be able to, uh, to or I'll be able to write something about that. And yep. you'll know kind of what I, what it was that I did. And uh, so we'll, uh, we're, but we're still working, still working on that. Yeah, and how, still how did that go, more by things. the way? How did that went go? very, very well. We're uh, well. It went very well, ex except for you know, you were dealing with a a person who's kind of inept at uh, video uh, oh. and things, and so I had to. There was a video component to this, and I really, really screwed that up. And so we're going to do that over and uh, mm. and take care of that, and then we'll we'll see where we are. Um, uh, after that, so uh, yeah, we got next week uh, will be uh, also be we may we may have to move this thing to Thursday. I mean to Wednesday next week if we can, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, for recording wise, I know everybody else you know here's it come out on Friday and that, that won't change. But right. uh, if we could, uh, we may have to move it around just a little bit. I mean it could be a time issue too. I'm, I'm gonna have to catch a flight on Thursday, which I am not happy about at all. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know how I feel about those winged coffins. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I, by the way, I am, I am Josh Moon and the other person that I am conversing with here is the David person. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're regulars here and all, but yeah. still, um, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, we're, uh, but we're working. Listen, everybody's got jobs, man. We're mm. working. We're, we're doing the, doing the best we can. And, uh, uh, you know, and this, uh, sometimes we have to, other things take some priority and we've got to, we've got to make man. some stuff happen. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Stuff, stuff does happen. happen. Hey, by the so, way, before we get into the show, I just want to take yeah. a moment of uh, personal privilege, if I may. Sure. Uh, last week, I think it was last week, or no, no, it was this week, actually, in the New York Times, Finding Tamika got a shout out as one of the seven podcasts that are must-listen podcasts. That is awesome, man. Yeah. That yeah. is awesome. I, I listen. I've listened. Y'all did. Y'all did excellent work. You did you, excellent, excellent work. Excellent work. And and listen. And I and I wanted to as well. I'm glad you said that because it reminded me of uh, of something that I wanted to say and a uh, also a point of privilege. And uh, and I just wanted to say that um, you know. So a couple of weeks back, I said something you know on here about my brother and, and yeah. taking his life and uh, and that. And um, you know, last week, man, uh, just to tell y'all. Uh, what kind of person David is. Um, and he, I got a call out of the blue and, uh, and it said David person. I was like, Oh man, David's quitting. Uh, but uh, and, uh, you know, he's uh, the Tamika podcast is taking off and that's a wrap. I'll never see him again, but it was David just calling to say, Hey man, I wanted to check in on you and see, uh, see how things are. Make sure you're okay. And, uh, and that stuff is all right. And, and I got to tell you, man, it, it meant, it meant a lot. I told my wife about it and, um, you know, and, and talked to her and, and it did. It really, really meant a lot. And um, and I, I appreciate it. I do. Yeah, uh, so um, and but that's, you know, 
I, I, before we started this podcast, David and I didn't know each other at all. Uh, you know, outside of just, hey, we've read each other's stuff. I know what he did. He knew what I did kind of thing. But personally, we didn't know each other at all. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I feel like I, I've gotten uh, to know a really, really good guy and and call him a friend. And um, and so no matter what happens with the podcast, uh, that will be something invaluable that I'll carry from this for, for the rest of my life. And, and I want Amen. you to know I really do appreciate it. And I mean that. Amen, bro. Um, same here. So, um, all right, so let's get into talking bad about dipshits. Um, we uh, we had a uh, <laughs> quite a turn there on you. Quite a turn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll start with you. Want to start with uh, the columns? You want to start with uh, the the idiots? Uh, what you want to start with? They tell me we can start with uh, either one. As far as I'm I'm concerned, yeah. Um, let's start with the columns. Let's start with your column. Okay. All right. Well, I wrote a column this week about uh, we we celebrated Poor White People's Day um, in Alabama this this on Monday, um, and that's exactly what it is. It's Confederate more Memorial Day is what we call it, but it is essentially Poor White People's Day. Uh, we where we we take a day to remind white people, the, the especially the poor working class white people of this state, that the real enemy isn't the person that keeps screwing up their schools and their paychecks and their you know the taxes and taxing them too much and charging them for gas to go to work, you know, a little extra for the gas tax to get to work and uh, doing all that, uh, you know, it's the black people. Uh, the black people out there, those are the ones that are really caused. Those are the guys that are after you. They're lazy, lazy, taking your money. You wouldn't have to pay all these taxes if it weren't for those lazy, lazy black people out there that, uh, you know, just trying to get one over on you. Mm. Uh, look at them. They're trying to take down your statues right now. You know, <laughs> um, that's what we do. That's, that's all it's there for. That's all it's there for is to placate people and to keep this racial shit alive. Mm. Um, it really is. I mean, it's, I, I'm, there's no reason in 2022 for us to have a Confederate Memorial Day. Right. You know, right. if you wanted, I'll say this, I'll even go as far as this. If you wanted to have a Memorial Day, which we already have, mm-hmm. uh, Memorial Day, uh, and if you wanted to include, the Confederate people that died in that war in Memorial Day, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. To to include those people who died in that war, um, you know, I, I, as you know, my stance is there were people who knew better. Uh, so, you know, whatever. Uh, but no one would have a problem, I think, if you wanted to include Confederate pe- soldiers who, who died in, that, in the Civil War in the, the Memorial Day that we already have. That said, this is it's we should be honoring. We should have we could keep, should keep the state holiday. We should honor. We could have Rosa Parks be an actual state holiday instead of a commemoration as right. it is. Right. Um, you know, we could honor, we could separate out uh, or hell just do away with the Robert E. Lee portion of MLK Day. Um, you know, but those are things. This is what we do. We we honor these people and we we split MLK Day. Because we're placating to racists. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you that that's what we're doing. We're placating racism as well as uh, those who ascribe to it. And um, I don't believe that there is any argument that's logical that says we are celebrating our ancestors, which you can, by the way, you can do, you can celebrate your ancestors without celebrating the war that your ancestors fought in. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, 
you can you're not you're not you're not diminishing your ancestors. You know, when I think about when I think about uh, some of my uh, my uncles who fought mm-hmm. in the wars of our country or or my father who served in the military, you know, I don't it, it's not intertwined. I, if I think about my father and think good thoughts, I'm thinking about my father. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that he served in the military or whatever, that's sort of a that's that's you know, that's that's a that's just a part of his life. But that's not yeah. who he was. And I think yeah. and I think the argument that we get sometimes from these folks almost makes it sound like it's inextricable. They can't celebrate their ancestors without celebrating the Confederacy. And that's just that's just hogwash. It just really is. Yeah, and you know what? I'll I'll say this. I you know I I don't know. I, I can't I can't wrap my head around that. I I because honestly, I would guarantee you somewhere back in my family, there are people that fought in that dumbass war for our dumbass side mm-hmm. uh, on this. You know, in the uh, the southern side. So I know that some of my ancestors probably fought and possibly died in that war. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me in any way. I mean, you know, it doesn't. I, so this this argument has never rang true to me. This oh, those are our ancestors that fought in. What are you talking about? You know. Mm-hmm. So well, you want to keep fighting? You know. I mean, I don't. It just doesn't. I can't. There's no connective tissue there. You mm-hmm. know. I don't. Mm-hmm. It was three or four generations ago. I mean, four or five generations ago. Um, you know, it, what what are you what are you doing other than using that as an excuse to hold on to some beliefs that you had as a child that were carried forward by some relatives that came before you and put inside your head, even though you know better now, you're still using that horseshit as an excuse to continue on with this. That's all it is to me, is it's just an excuse to say, well, my great-great-grandfather fought in that war, and I, you know, I'm not going to belittle him. He belittled himself, you know? I mean, it just, what do you care? Yeah. Yeah. I would even say it's analogous to saying um, that, okay, my my great grandfather was a, let's just say, a wife beater, for example. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, there's no way for me to celebrate my great grandfather, the wife beater, without celebrating wife beating. I mean, no, you don't, nobody, no foolish person would take that position. I mean, obviously, Wife beating is wrong, and we acknowledge that with something that shouldn't happen. If you want to celebrate your ancestor, you celebrate your ancestor for good reason, because without your ancestor, you wouldn't be here, you know, but you could also, you know, you can also have the discernment, the intelligence to say, however, my ancestor (laughs) wasn't perfect. My ancestor had failings, and this was a failing. It's pretty yeah. simple. You know, we, I think so. You know, and I'll, no, and I'll flip it to the other way, to something very heroic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a, if I had a grandfather or a great grandfather that, uh, that fought in World War II, stormed the beach in Normandy, you know, and did mm-hmm. something great, you know, in, in, in defeating tyranny and, <clears throat> and, and pushing back the German army and all this, you know, and, um, you know, I, I would, I would say, hey, look at this thing that this guy did. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm about that. But, 
I didn't do it. You know, right. I, it didn't make me more brave in some way. You right. know, that right. he did that. You know, he ran up on that beach and did that. And I can say this is a great thing that he did, uh, you know, for, for the country, for, for the world, um, and, and to put that out there. But there's no, I, I still can't feel like, you know, I have something to be proud of with that. You know what I mean? I, it's, like, it's a personal pride in it. I can, I, I don't have any problem in, in pushing that, but I, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't, those, those things in history, uh, they're meaningful, certainly, but there shouldn't be shaping the way you think now, you know? Mm. Like they, because of they, they held this belief, and so now you you want to honor what they did, even though what they did you're admitting is was wrong. I mean that's because that's what you're doing when you say, well, you know, a lot of people thought that way back then. You're basically saying we don't think that way anymore because we know it's wrong. But they didn't know it was wrong, and so they thought that way. So, and what about before before we uh, we we go to another uh, topic? What about? What you said in your column, which I thought was a really good point about what Mike Durant has decided to attack Katie Britt for. Yeah. You know, uh, the, it, the, it's, it's part and parcel of the same playbook. Right. So, uh, Mike, it so, is. so Katie Britt, Britt has said and, and I didn't I missed the fact that she'd even said it. So I was glad to find this out that she said she would be willing to listen to her black neighbors or mm-hmm. pe- or black people, I guess, that she comes across, if they have uh, concerns about how they feel they've been treated by this country, and I'm assuming that would extend to their ancestors. Well, what she what she was saying, just to very clear, okay, yeah, clarify something clarify, yeah. about her uh, putting up, you know, the there for a little while there, there was a, a thing where people would put up black. Uh, you know, a little avatar of black photos with their Twitter accounts or their whatever mm-hmm. uh, Facebook or social media accounts that would just be blacked out to show support for, uh, you know, black people in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had said when questioned about that, that it was not saying that she agreed necessarily with uh, everything that Black Lives Matter had said, only that she was willing to listen to what they had, what their problems were, what their issues were, mm-hmm. which you know, my God, that's a, uh, the least anybody could do, right? Right, right, right. And so then Mike Durant decides uh, that he's going to use that, exploit that as a point of division, as though it's outrageous to listen. It's outrageous mm-hmm. to engage with a person who has a different point of view. You know, that to me is part and parcel of the same playbook. It's, it's again, it's about, it's about, you know, making racial distinctions, creating racial divisions is based on outdated racist thinking that ties mm-hmm. right back to the Confederacy. But that tells us a lot about Mike Durant, I think, and who he is, you know, and even if he's not a racist himself, meaning if he doesn't have personal animus towards black people or 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 something along that line. He's still willing to exploit those things, and that mm-hmm. tells us a lot about him. Oh, it's just, it was as blatant as racism that uh, that you, I could that I've seen in in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really was. It was it was taking the fears of Black Lives Matter uh, that were uh, most of which were racially based anyway. Uh, that, and were pushed by people on the opposite side of things that have distorted who Black Lives Matter 
uh, members are and what their agenda has been and and the good work that they have done, much of which has been in conjunction with police departments across this country. Uh, people, you know, I don't think they do enough to push that personally, because they have done, they have gone to police departments and with mayors and with uh, city council members, and they have pushed agendas that were more uh, community policing focused things. And they have worked within those communities to help the police create better relationships with certain neighborhoods and with certain people. And uh, and it has been very effective in a lot of neighborhoods. Uh, and it is not an anti-police sort of thing. It is an anti-police brutality. Exactly. But that aside, what the the negative aspects of Black Lives Matter that have been pushed have been primarily race based fear mongering uh, by a handful of right wingers that don't want anything to change. And they want to capitalize on the history of of fear mongering that has has been placed on on the black community in general and especially black males uh, forever in this country. And they have used it. Uh, in a way uh, that has been very harmful to any sort of reconciliation over, you know, we had the Floyd protests and everything else, any sort of that reconciliation that was taking place, they've attempted to undermine it by painting the, you know, Black Lives Matter as militant and everything else, you know, uh, that they could to throw negative connotations towards them. Um, And for him to then say that he's not even willing to listen. Yeah to what they were saying or, or to act as though the act of listening is somehow anti-police or anti-whatever is, I mean, it's, it's just blatant racism and, and fear mongering at its, at its worst. It yep. is, I mean, it, it was really pathetic and, um, you know, and, and listen, Katie Britt is not my candidate. I don't care uh, about anything to do with that Republican primary for the most part. Yeah. I think that she's the better of the three. Uh, mm-hmm. I do. But, you know, that's that's a pretty low bar. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, you know. yeah. And I and I actually agree with you on that. I think she's the better of the three. At least she appears to be the better of the three uh, from from what we see at this point. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to imagine uh, that, um, <laughs> so say you said it was a low bar. I was thinking about that. <laughs> it yeah. is a low bar. Yeah. yeah. Some bitches but, under the ground, isn't it? Yeah. yeah that's, I, I mean, mean you, yeah. and I say that, and I say that not to be disrespectful of her, but just simply because she has pandered. She is, yeah. she is, she is pandered to, uh, yeah. the, the Trumpisms and, that that sort of base level kind of uh, thinking that we see in that party, and I think that's unfortunate. You know, um, yeah. you know, Republicans don't, and I know we're going to talk about Roy's column in a little bit, but Republicans just don't have to be who they are to be conservative. You know, they don't have to be who they are to adhere to the baseline of Republican values, and yet. They have allowed this this maniac in Florida, you know, to bully them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's I just it really it, it just amazes me. I mean, you know, Mike Durant is a war hero. Yeah. Yet he's punked out to Trump. I he's know, punked man. out to Trump. 
to a guy who said who who, who bashed his mentor, his, his yes. hero, the guy who bashed a, McCain, and to, and to a guy who didn't have the courage to uh, to serve the way Mike Durant did, and to endure what Mike Durant did. Why in the world is Mike Durant afraid of Donald Trump? Why I mean, does he feel like so... he has to capitulate to Donald Trump? Well, I tell you, uh, and it, I mean, it's a, a good point. We didn't actually talk talk about you know, discussing this, but we're you know, it's a kind of a brief topic, and we're we're going to be up against it in a minute. But yeah. so, I mean, maybe it's the best thing for here. But on, on the on the TV show V that we, they'll layer Sunday, we also record that on Thursdays, and um, and we were discussing on there how um, in the state it seems as though Joe Biden is on the ballot in every race. That in every single race, they don't talk about anything to do with issues or policy or, you know, what, how they're going to change things in the state at all. Nothing. But they all talk about Joe Biden and Joe Biden, the border and inflation. And, you know, and it's listen, this is a voter problem, man. This is a this is a thing where voters have been sucked into this national political uh, Fox Newsism of politics. And, you know, it's a. They're focused on things. I mean, it's a, honest to God, people, you do a survey now and they'll put the border at the, one of the top issues. The border for people in, <laughs> living in North Alabama. What are you talking about? You know? I mean, if you're, in North Alabama, if you're a North Alabama farmer, you're only concerned about the border is that there's not enough people coming across it to help you out in the field. You know, I mean, I mean, honest to God, everybody up here is using, you know, is using immigrant labor of some sorts. I mean, listen, I, you know, they, those guys, I know, I know uh, dozens. I mean, you know, we, we did some some real estate stuff and, and still do. And, and and we know dozens of, of immigrants who are, who are working construction jobs of various sorts, you know, doing things like that. Man, those dudes, they if you're concerned about that, those dudes love it here. All right. They love America probably more than most of us do. You know, they love America. They, they And they've gone out and they have thrived. They've done exactly what we did when we came here. Uh, and. And but we're we're we have people legitimately saying that border security is one of our biggest issues, you know? And yeah. What are you and, talking about? And, and what's ironic about that to me is when they passed that stupid HB fifty six here years ago, and uh-huh. then all of a sudden you see this this mass exodus of uh of undocumented people. Then, then you know, uh, business people across Alabama are like, "Oh, wait a minute, wait, hold up, wait. Yeah. Uh, we didn't expect this to happen." <laughs> we right? Thought, yeah, I know, right? It's like, whoa, the, what, what the where, hell? Where yeah, are the I immigrants? Mean, where are the people that we've been depending on to do the work that we can't get Americans to do? You know? Exactly. So yeah, it's just, I mean, they've been played on this thing, man. It's just they. they it's just basic fear mongering. Yeah. It's all it is. It's yeah. taken. It's it's at its base level. And it. I mean, they're. Legitimately, you know, I, one of the things I started to say in the column and I, you know, in the editing and everything out of, of stuff is, you know, what kills me about a lot of this stuff is, is how people seem to forget that they know black people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they, they, you know, black people who, who participated in a lot of marches and, and things around about, about stuff. You, you go to work with them. You go to church with them. You go to so your kids go to school with them. They play on the same sports teams together. You go to all sorts of events with them. You know them. They're your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You talk to them all the time. And then somehow or another, they separate out these relationships 
from this boogeyman that's created over here. And you ask, well, don't you know a black person? Well, of course I know. Yeah, they my five or six people. They're all my friends. Well, I said, does that person believe these things that you're saying that you're assigning to all black people? They're like, oh, no, not old James. No, he don't <laughs> believe that. I was like, that's who they're talking about, man. You've got the same dreams, the same goals. They all, We all want the same life. Stop this. Yeah. You know, it's just, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that's the world we live in, I guess. It is indeed. So, yeah. Indeed. If we could get people, if we could get Fox News turned off for like a month, this whole place would be better. This whole place would be better. Yeah. I feel like just, that's, I feel like that's true. I feel like yeah. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. If you just get the propaganda machine turned off for just a little while. Yeah. So, I know that's censorship, but you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying the government should do it. I'm just saying, you know, if something happened right. and Fox News couldn't air for a little while, it right. would be such a great, you know, yeah, such a great thing. All right, let's uh, slide out of here. We're going to come back. We're going to have uh, hopeful uh, House Representative Mallory Hagan join us and uh, and talk for a little bit about her uh, run for House District 25 and trying to turn things around. Be uh, back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. Welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to have with us Mallory Hagan, uh, who is running for House District 25, right? Isn't it 25? That yeah. is correct. Thanks for having yes. me. No, no problem. As uh, Colbert would say, the fight in 25th, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, or used to say. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's Mac McCutcheon's old district. It is, uh, it's changing um a lot so i think that's one of the districts that uh uh that democrats hope that in the near future uh possibly the very near future uh we you know we, we might might have a shot might have yeah. a real real good shot and i you know um you know without mccutcheon running in that thing now and it looks like you'll have uh rigsby whatever the hell his name is from the other side over there uh the, you know, another white dude, um, uh, another older white dude uh, coming in, uh, you know, just, yeah, I really, we ought to just start tagging them like that. White dude, 35, white dude, 37. Um, and, uh, you know. <laughs> do we really want I mean, to do really? that? Do we really yeah. want to? Yeah, I was saying, I mean, they're all the same. Hell, they vote the same. They think the same. They say the same things. Well, I mean, why wouldn't we just start tagging them? <laughs> White dude three, you know, just call him old number three. You know, that's uh, they just rank them in their, you know, in order from when they get elected. Um, uh, but honestly, it's uh, so that that's where we are with this. Uh, how do you? I guess just just start off. You know, how do you how do you feel like uh, your chances are in this race? And you know, and what what are your primary issues? What do you what do you feel like are the primary issues of the district? Sure. Well, I mean, you you said what, what I can't, which is this is just going to be more of the same, right? This district has the opportunity to flip in this election cycle, and we are certainly going to work hard. I think if anyone followed my race in 2018, you know that there's one thing that I will do, and it is it is outwork my opponent. So we are going to um, we are going to pool our resources and and really make sure that we leave no stone unturned in this district. 
it's growing daily. Um, the young professional crowd here is the demographic that is growing. And we know that those those folks are by and large more moderate uh, to progressive than the traditional voter in Alabama has been in the past. So there's a lot of things that are working in our favor this election cycle. Um, and the issues that I'm really concerned about as an Alabamian, uh, you know, is the expansion of Medicaid right now. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is so interesting about the Republican Party here in the state of Alabama is that they, you know, they claim to be the party of fiscal responsibility. And then they continue to do things that cost us money in the name of, you know, political playing football. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the expansion of Medicaid is something that would by and large help every single person in the state of Alabama. It would, you know, create jobs for our state, um, 20, over 20,000, you know, per year to be exact. And um, it would save us, save us almost $400 million a year. You know, that would be enough to cover the cost of expansion. And yet we just haven't done it because it was something that came to us by the democratic party. Um, yeah. And so, you know, focusing on Medicaid expansion, Education, of course, Madison City Schools are losing teachers um, at a rapid rate uh, or as the years go by. And, and, you know, even though we have a great school system here, we want to make sure that we are supporting them. And then, you know, personally, this may not be top of mind for every person in this district, but I am a huge ally for the LGBTQIA community and for marginalized communities, uh, people of color. And um, I don't feel like that that's obviously being represented in Montgomery right now, the way that uh, we have seen this legislative session go. So lots yeah. of things, lots of things to think about, but those are some of the things that I'm, I'm really, really passionate about here. You know, uh, you've been, you've been here in campaigning uh, for, for a while now um, and, and been out and, and, you know, and talking to people and, and making your way around the district. Uh, you know what, I, I guess, do you, do you, are, do you feel like you have been well received? Uh, do you feel like that that what you what you thought of the district is holding true that it is filled with more progressives that that is starting to change? Yeah, I have been actually, and I think the reason why is that as I mentioned, you know, Madison's actually it's a great place. We've got great yeah. schools, um, booming economy, everything is growing, and that's all positive and um, that's exciting. What I think is that there are a lot of people here who are sort of fed up with the political rhetoric, um, fed up with the Republican Party's tactics. And um, there are a lot of, of families that just want to focus on how you know their lives can be made better and how we can move forward. And for me, my background is in child advocacy. In my time as uh, Miss America and beyond, my focus was always in child abuse prevention. It's something that unfortunately blanketed my family. Um, I'm a victim of child sexual abuse and assault. And so I've focused a tremendous amount of my time and energy on, you know, bringing issues that involve children and their safety to light. And um, so when I think about the future that I want to see for our state and the way that we need to grow and progress in order for our children and, um, you know, the next generation to have uh, all of the opportunities that they deserve, uh, we just need to focus on the future. And so I think I have been well received and that my my main focus is is what's going to happen with the next generation and how are we setting them up for success? Wow. I, um, Mallory, I, I did not know that you were a survivor of sexual abuse as a child and sexual assault. I'm assuming when you say sexual assault, you mean as an adult? Yeah. Wow. Correct. Wow. Yeah. I, um, 
I commend you for your candor and for uh, and for taking this cause on. Uh, thank you, thank, thank you, you for that. Um, I want to ask you some things here. One 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 thing I want to know right off the bat is I noticed when I saw you at Rock the Vote on uh, in Huntsville on uh, Sunday, uh, you had the uh, the rainbow uh, pin, and I when I saw that I wondered. I was like, okay, I wonder. Is she LGBTQ? And you've explained that you're an ally. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, as someone who's a self-proclaimed ally, as I as I consider myself to be also, what do you think the Democratic Party can do to shore up uh, that constituency? Um, it I, My assessment is that we're not doing a good job in the state of Alabama of doing that. Do you share my point of view? And if you do, what can we do to improve that? Yeah, one of the things that I would love to see the Democratic Party uh, do more of, of course, is better messaging. And I think that we can all agree that's been an issue for some time now. Uh, The Republican Party kills us on one or two subjects and they just repeat the same thing over and over again. And we just have not mastered the craft of (laughs) one-liners because because I think, you know, we understand that issues are nuanced and they Mm -hmm. are intertwined and we try really hard to explain all of that to people. Um, and not in a condescending way, but in, you know, people are busy. Like they, you know, the average person is not paying attention to all the ways that the systems are flawed and how how it's all intertwined. And so that makes sense. So, so messaging, uh, in a, in a stronger fashion in support of the LGBTQ community, I think would be great. Um, we have some we have some intersectionalities in the Democratic Party, and, and I and I hope you'll agree with me in this concept. And that you know we've got one white Democrat sitting on our side of the aisle, and traditionally speaking, from what I understand about the Black community, is that the LGBTQ conversation is one that is real far down um, the list of priorities. Being that those intersectionalities from the church and other things traditionally make that conversation one that's more taboo in the black community. And so I think we have a lot of leaders who, because their constituencies are a reflection of them, do not really speak out as often when it comes to LGBTQ issues. And so we could start there by being, by being better allies, uh, by being more forthright in our support. Um, but another thing that we can do on a, on a tactical scale is um, focus on MEI scores. You know, our representatives have the opportunity to work with their city leaders and, and city councils to focus on those MEI scores, which is the score that the human rights campaign gives um, cities and states as to how LGBTQ friendly they are. And, you know, Huntsville and Madison, ours is a 20 out of 100. And so one of the things that I could do as an ally is work with our you know, city council and our uh, mayors to really improve that. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for improvement in the workplace when it comes to schools. And we can we can make steps in that direction, uh, working together in that way. It seems to me, too, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. It seems to me, too, we have an opening. I'm talking specifically Democrats, we have an opening on the issue of trans kids. And the opening is really simple. It's not rocket science. The Republican Party has consistently positioned itself to be pro-family, you know, and, and has consistently said, we don't want government interfering in how we decide to raise our children. And yet on this issue, the Republicans have just turned and gone in the other direction. 
It's okay for the government to interfere. It's okay for us to disrupt these families. Uh, it seems to me like we could galvanize around that and, 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 and be not only a support to those families that are directly affected, uh, but by extension, I think even if you will preach that gospel of, you know, being compassionate and being truly pro-family, um, when you're talking about, you know, children who are in development, and and I'll and, and before I, I hear your response, let me add this to it. You talked about the black community. The black community is very complicated on this issue. Uh, you're right when you talk about the influence of the church and historic, uh, doctrinal and theological points of view. But it's also true that a lot of black families and a lot of black parents and a lot of black preachers are coming to realize that they've got children and grandchildren who are on the LGBTQ spectrum. And I think that's an opening as well. Let me let me hear your thoughts on all of that. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned uh, Republicans being a party that has sort of uh, cornered family and family values, but they've also touted freedom and freedom, uh, you know, their liberty to do whatever they want to. And so I, I always find this this conversation interesting because, you know, at, at the base of all of it is what does it have to do with you? What what some family does in any family, yes. if, if, if you wake up one day and realize that your mother has breast cancer and your neighbor has a different view of how you should handle breast cancer, do you get to legislate how somebody handles breast cancer? No. And it's not your business. <laughs> and so I think that is the most frustrating thing to me is we have a laundry list of issues in this state. And I think the three of us probably know that everything that transpired in this legislative session that brought conversation away from those issues and onto the LGBTQ community was simply so that they could say, rah, rah, look what we did, which was nothing. They, they I mean, they harmed families, but it didn't improve the majority of lives of Alabamians. And it did nothing but bring negative optics to our state, along with, you know, poor policy. Um, and so for me, the big thing is mind your business. <laughs> like, I just, I just don't understand why everyone is so concerned with what other people are doing with their doctors in the comfort of their homes, with their families, who they love. It does not impact you at all. But what we've seen since this legislative session is the conversation and the, the messaging around the concept of grooming, which as someone who is a victim of child sexual abuse, and so are the members of my family, and the work that I have done nationally is an insult, not only to the LGBTQ community, but to uh, the average American's working knowledge of what grooming actually is, conversations around gender and sexual identity and basic human decency is not grooming. Uh, grooming actually often happens in your very own yes. home. So if we want to talk about grooming, we need to have a larger conversation about abuse uh, as a whole. Um, but that that has really bothered me in this conversation. Um, just the concept that people are so very concerned about something that literally has nothing to do with them. And they're using the, the phrase, you know, the safety of children or protecting children to slide this type of you know, piss poor legislation through. And it's just simply not true. It's, it's not protecting our kids. 
it's harming them and it's putting them in the center of a conversation that they didn't ask to be in. Kids are kids. The first time I was introduced to the concept of a drag queen, I was four. My mother was a dance teacher. She was helping her friend Russ. He was doing his choreography for a show. I asked, what is Russ doing? She told me, and that was the end of the conversation. Kids don't care. <laughs> and so I feel like we're just creating a problem that doesn't really exist and we're, we're using it to, to continue to move the ball down the line in a football game. And that's, that's really unfortunate. You know, Josh, that triggered a memory for me. Um, when my son was in kindergarten, there was a child, I believe it was a little girl, but I can't remember for mm -hmm. sure, who had two mommies. And I remember mm -hmm. sitting down, and, you know, as an adult, I'm thinking, Okay, so we're going to discuss this, and I want my son to have a, a healthy point of view about this. And I remember how it was such a big deal for me to sit down and talk with him about this. But in the final analysis for him, it just wasn't that big yeah. a deal. Yeah, there's one. That makes yeah. you think about the amount of people who have come out and said, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my children. How do I explain this to my children? And that's really, I mean, that's centering you in a conversation that's not about mm. you. Be honest mm. and upfront about what it is and move on. And if that's not something your family values, then just simply teach your family values in the midst of that conversation <laughs> and keep it moving. Yeah, let, you know, it's, it's you don't know, care. No, yeah, you're right, and because uh, you know, a week or so back, uh, we had Easter, and you know, my I have a four year old daughter, and she came home from the daycare, which we, we have her in a Christian daycare, and uh, and and she was telling us about the you know the Jesus and the holes in Jesus's hands and the whole you know getting dying and coming back to life and uh, uh, what was going on if. That is something that can be explained, you know, in, in broad terms. I think just telling somebody that you know, a child, hey, they love each other. And so that's the reason they're together uh, is or this is how they are. Uh, and that's, you know, that how this is the person that they are. They're good people. Uh, you, you know, don't judge them till you know them. Uh, those seem like pretty easy concepts for, for children to get. Uh, and I know that because my four year old gets it all the time. You know, you just say it's uh, it's they're human beings. And I think what both of y'all are missing, though, here is when they when Republicans say family values, they actually mean heterosexual white family <laughs> values. OK, they're, that's the family values that they're after. There is not they don't mean for everybody, not your family. I mean, your family's you, weird. You, you, you left out you left out um, heterosexual white and Christian. Those, it's yeah, the, sure. That's the trifecta. <laughs> Well, um, I, I, and, I'm sorry. I thought that was given. Yeah, I, mean, I just I thought that just went well, unsaid. And, and you know, yeah. I I think that the the frustrating thing about that is um, for those of us who understand the teachings of of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, it is it's love thy neighbor, help thy neighbor, mm -hmm. right? It is it is welcome those who are sick and weary. Well, like the the concepts that are Christ like are are to be loving and kind and benevolent to those around you and to support your community and to be a part of um, uplifting someone when they need it. And I think what's been missing is that, you know, we want to legislate with Christian values when it comes to certain things, but not others, i.e., I would like to, you know, reduce your ability to make reproductive decisions because 
you have, you know, a uterus, <laughs> but I would not like to give you anything you may need to thrive once you're here and once you have a family. And those two things cannot coexist under under Christianity. They simply can't. And and quite frankly, we shouldn't be legislating with yeah, that in mind at all. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I was going to say. point out yeah. the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, how about we don't worry so much uh, and when we're talking about people who should be in office, how about we don't worry so much about what religion they are and whether or not they are actually educated on the issues that affect the people of, for example, District 25. You know, uh, you know, how about we worry about whether or not they can address the issues that actually affect the people who live in that district uh, and not worry so much about we were just talking about this before you came on about border security. You know, I mean, it's a, it would be a top issue for a lot of people here because they saw it on Fox News last night. Uh, mm-hmm. But in in reality, their day to day things when they sit down with their significant other at the table or, you know, or lay in bed at night with each other and talk about things that are actually concerning to them. I guarantee you they don't hold a Nobody lays down in bed at night and goes, Jesus Christ, did you see the stuff at the border? What is going? <laughs> what are we going to do about that? You know, uh, I mean, you know, none of them say that. They all say. Ah, you know, I don't know about uh, the kid's school and, you know, what are we going to do with the teacher? You know, that, oh, that school's not a good one for us. And, you know, what what can we do about the, the I'm going to have to change jobs. What about the health care plan that we're going to have to take on here? You know, those are issues. And and for I don't know, how do you how do you break through that noise and, and stop this other? Well, I mean, I think what's most important to remember is that should I be elected on November 8th, and I hope that I am, that, you know, even the most radical of beliefs, those beliefs are here in this district and people just want to be heard. Um, And I want to hear them. You know, if you're gonna represent a district, you have to represent everyone. And so cutting through the noise um, on a personal level can can be difficult. I mean, I think we all know we've had tough conversations with people face to face, and you're just like, what? Are... <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. but but you know, the idea is to is to hear people, and I think how we've gotten here as a country is so many people are angry. They are they're angry with their you know how things turned out, and they're angry with the government. And they're angry with. X, Y, and Z. And I think a lot of this, you know, political rhetoric that we see is a result of people knowing how to play on that anger and play on that fear that people have about what does their future hold and their finances and and all of that. And so for me, cutting through is, is taking the, taking the moment to genuinely pause and hear people when they have very opposing views from me. Um, and, And also cutting through is, is sort of, making people understand that what we've been doing isn't working. Not in the state of Alabama, we continue to rank at the bottom of every measurable, you know, measurable, I guess, metric in in the United States. And we've had Republican leadership for two decades now. So so what are we doing? Right. Um, Something's not working. And for me, cutting through is really highlighting that my age and quite frankly, my gender can be an asset in Montgomery. Um, we need people who are under 40. Uh, we don't have very many people that are in Montgomery under the age of 40. And we also need more gender diversity. We have, I think, I think the number that I saw is like 17% of our legislature is women when the average across the country is closer to 25. 
Um, mm-hmm. And even 25 is not, you know, equitable representation, right. but we need more of it in the state of Alabama. So trying to highlight that some of the things people might see in me as a, a negative could actually be quite positive for us at the table when we're making policy about um, policy moving forward. Yeah. No, you're right. We had, we had uh, Representative Rolanda Hollis on uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, and talked to her about you know two of the bills that she she sponsored and got passed. One uh, was uh, preventing the shackling of pregnant women. Another one was providing uh, feminine hygiene products free of charge in schools uh, for low income students. And I mean, the those seem like minor things, uh, particularly the second one. That will so significantly change the lives of thousands, literally thousands of schoolgirls in, in inner cities and all across yep. the state. And it's something that no man ever considered, ever. And so that's the strength of having that. And it's a positive thing. I don't know anybody that was against it. You know, I mean, who who would be sure. against that? You know, but nobody knew it was a problem. You know, nobody they didn't know it was a problem until we started electing women and until we you know, we put some women in place of power so they can address issues that affect you know women and girls and and you know quite honestly a lot of people and i know you said you know we've only had you know republican leadership for two decades let's be honest we've had you know conservative leadership for 200 years uh, here there's the same <laughs> yeah it's the same people as they just the money went to the republican party you know a couple of decades ago and that's when they all switched um before that it was the same dudes uh, the same white dudes were running the place okay um and, and so but yeah it's you know, I just I just feel like you're right that we, we need to do that. And I think this district here and, and a lot of around Madison and Huntsville uh, can can start that trend. And I think people would see a huge difference uh, in, in that. And uh, and I hope I wish you well. I, yeah. I, I do. I hope that, Thank you. We'll, we'll, I'm here. I'm around. I'm not in your district. I'm close. Uh, but uh, I got you, you out know, knocking yeah. some doors. Yeah. I, you know what? I don't. I, it's not safe for me. Uh, so <laughs> too many wanted posters up with his face on it. You know. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I'm, no, right? I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, that you're yeah. a former Miss America who's on our side because to me that almost uh, says they can't say you're not patriotic. You know, that's one of the charges. That gets tossed at those of us who are on the left wing or the le- or the liberal side or the democratic side. You're not patriots. You know we're the ones who are patriots. No, Miss America is a patriot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the you know a, a lot of people might overlook some of the benefits that 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 year brought me, which is that I have contacts in every state. My network is huge. So when we're talking about meeting with folks and bringing industry here. You know, you never know who I know. Uh, I, I worked for Bloomberg. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of benefit to having someone whose network is vast and outside of the state of Alabama when it comes to, um, you know, economic development and, and bettering our optics as a state. I mean, there's a lot of benefit to that to what that year brought me and continues to bring me. So I hope people will, will awesome. think about that aspect of it as well. Well, I'd say, yeah, I hope so too, and and we wish you well against white guy number one thirty seven, um, and um, you know we'll uh, uh, it's I think that uh, you'll do very well. But, hey, thank you for for coming on and spending some time and um, and listen. That you need anything from us, you know where to find us. Absolutely, thank you guys for all the work okay. you're doing. We appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon.
All right, thank you. That is uh, Mallory Hagen, and she is running uh, for House District 25, and and hopefully, Absolutely. you know, that'll be your yeah. next representative. It, it would uh, that'd be awesome, be man. When, I, I, I really am pulling right. for her to pull this yeah. thing off, but but I think you got to stop calling white guys uh, 137 and giving them numbers. I just I don't I don't know. That just doesn't feel. <laughs> Listen, man, you gonna listen, you're gonna fall in the robotic line. I'll, I'll give you a robotic name, okay? I mean it's like, you know, it's a well, the old robot movie, the Wallies, you know, and all those guys, you know. Oh, you're sorry, a, it's you're hilarious. They talk the same, they act the same, they that look the same. A I mean, distinction. I, you know, know? take somebody like Mike Ball. Mike Ball doesn't fit into that category. No, not after he decided not to run for office. He didn't. Yeah, you know, well, while he was before. running for office, he was towing the line, baby, every day. Uh, well, not on medical marijuana. Well, he up until lately, yeah. yeah. I mean, he wasn't for mar- medical marijuana six years ago. Uh, maybe not. Six, eight maybe years not. ago, yeah. But, you know, I, I okay, well. I'm just saying, it's amazing how they find a conscience when they Uh decide they're not running for office anymore. You know, it's it's amazing how much of how willing they are to speak out against the norms, Uh, you know. I think you make a good point there. You you definitely make a good point. I mean, uh, listen, all this is like the uh, this like the trans kids stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, who are the guys who spoke out against it? Who are the guys that voted against it? Only the people who were not running for office anymore. That's the only ones. You know, they all said, I can't get behind this. Yeah. And it was all the guys who were not running for office and nobody else. It's just, it, it, I, and so if they're going to act, and trust me, I talked to some of those people. I know for a fact some of them knew it was wrong and thought it was wrong, and they still mm. voted for it. So if you're going to mm. act like a robot and not vote your conscience, then you, get, you should be treated like a robot. Okay. I, you right. know? I can see. You've convinced me. Thank you. Thank you. You've convinced so, me. We wish Mallory Hagen well against White Guy 137. <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs> All right. Let's slide out. We'll come back. We'll wrap this thing up in just a minute. Alabama politics this week. Back in a second. Welcome back. Going to wrap this thing up here now. Alabama politics this week. Uh, remember, you can uh, send us an email at apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Or go and leave us a uh, rating, a review uh, at the uh, Apple Podcasts, or, you know, just, you know, just rate us in general. Just go on Facebook and say, those guys are great. Uh, you know, <laughs> spread it around. Help us out. You know, do what you can. Um, let's see here. Uh, you you know we talked about my column in the in the first. You had a really really good column as well. We we talked about a little bit about this subject um, a few weeks ago uh, on on the podcast about uh, transgender youth and about trans transgender families and the science behind some of this. Um, and and I thought, man, your your column was was very well done. Um, uh, it really was very. It was very smart. And it was very. I think it, it struck a, a really good tone with the whole thing. Um, and I, you know, I just it it's a it continues to be uh, an issue, um, and it'll it'll will continue to be one for a while until the federal courts strike all these things down that we've done here. Um, 
and, and they will. They're going to. They, you can't get in between doctors and kids like that. And, and you know they're they're going to they're going to strike that down uh, because the fear mongering that was used to put these laws, these anti-trans kids laws in place, were it was false. The the narrative was false. No, the, these things were not being used to begin with. And so now you've just basically criminalized uh, medicine for you know, that, that was going to help these kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how I don't understand, first of all, how you can call yourself pro family, but then say it's OK to interfere with a parent's uh, a decision that a parent is making with a teenager mm-hmm. or that a, a parent is making uh, even with a, a child that's younger than a teenager. Uh, I don't understand how you can call yourself pro family and do that. And then in addition to that, you know, I started thinking about um, when I was a kid mm-hmm. and how. You know, we there were kids that I grew up with, you know, we called them names, you know, ugly names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one or more of those kids that we called ugly names uh, today would be a child that would identify as trans. Mm-hmm. And and of course, we just, you know, 50 years ago, we didn't think, you know, that wasn't a thing. Right. Right. You know, but but now because of science, because of uh, sociology, because of people being courageous enough to live their truths openly, you know, we understand that this is so much more complicated than we thought, and that and that it's all a medical thing. So why are we then making children? Uh, you know, putting bullseyes on children and families. It's just, it seems to me like it's, you know, and I, I always refer, as you know, a lot to my Christian faith. It just seems antithetical to Christianity. But even if you take Christianity out of it, it just seems antithetical to just being a decent human being. Of you course know, it that does. would target children in this way. Yeah, of course it does. And it's a, you know, and the thing that gets me too is, um, in the conversations, you know, and you're right. It used to be very common. Uh, you know, there's a uh, the you know the original kings of comedy stand up uh, stuff with, with you know with Bernie Mac. You know, Bernie Mac had a bit in there about a, having a nephew, I believe it was. It was a sissy. He's a sissy, mm-hmm. you know, and and all that, you know, and um and and talking about what an embarrassment that was for the for the family, and uh, so you know, and that's the way things used to be. People used to talk about it that way. But what always got me. About that, and honestly, honest to God, it was one. Of, I think it was one of the things that that made me take a step back and and consider, you know, what I was talking about and what you know what what was going on here is we all we all went to school with kids exactly like you're talking about. I mean, from an early age. I mean, mm-hmm. late middle. I mean, you know, late elementary school. You know, fourth, mm-hmm. fifth grade. Uh, Kids who we knew, boys, you know, mostly it was mostly boys uh, yeah. in, in this in this context here that I'm talking about. It was mostly boys who we knew were, I guess, I, I, is is effeminate. Uh, 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 is that yeah. a, is that yeah. an appropriate term for that? You yeah, know, that, effeminate, sure. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I just I don't want to offend anybody by saying that. I'm not I'm not using that in a negative context in any way. But they were mm-hmm. they were they were you know they it was and you knew it. And you knew that that was the case. And then as you progressed with those kids through school, 
it continued to be that way. And they, you know, they didn't change. You know, nobody changed anywhere around the way. They were, and, and that's one of the things that struck me. One, I don't even know, because uh, you just, you think, and you think back, that kid didn't choose that at, you know, at eight years old, you know, nine years old, 10 years old. That, that's something that happened, you know? Because there was there was not you know we talk about the eighties or you know seventies or sixties there was nobody on TV you know pushing some kids that way to get them to act that way or anything there was none of that there was so if that's occurring and and it's that natural you know what yeah. what are we doing here and furthermore why am I making fun of somebody like that you know why am I making them feel like shit for for being born the way that they were born mm-hmm. um uh and furthermore what right is it of mine to try to tell them how they should live or act or behave or you know whatever i just all that more than anything else struck me as this is this is not a a choice situation this is you know all this rhetoric about choosing to live a certain way or behave a certain way or be a certain way is bullshit um, because I know of these kids that were that way from damn near birth, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it was always that way. They didn't choose that because trust yeah. me, life would have been a hell of a lot easier for them if they didn't, if they weren't mm-hmm. that way. And, and as an adult, I've had a really good perspective on watching some of my son's friends grow up, you know, watching them almost from birth, if not from birth in some cases. And you look at some of these kids and you realize early on, it's like, hmm, nah, I see something there. Yeah. You know, you see traits of, of potentially what they may be or what they could be. And and it's not, as you said, it's not a choice. It's no more a choice for them. You know, for those who are on the LGBTQ spectrum I'm talking about, it's no more a choice for them than it is for us you know, who were not on the LGBTQ spectrum. Right. You know, I didn't decide at three or five that I was going to like girls. Yeah. I just did. Yeah. You know, I remember my my earliest, the, the earliest crush I remember having, a woman at my church, a young woman at my church. In fact, it was one of the pastor's daughters. And I remember as young as four, I think, looking at her and thinking how beautiful she looked and mm-hmm. feeling an attraction to her. Of course, she's, you know, college age or whatever she was. Yeah. And I remember even looking at her legs and thinking, oh, she's got pretty legs. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. four years yeah. old, you know. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I didn't make a choice to do that. I just it was natural. It's just right. what I did. Yeah. You know? a, so why would no, we I know think, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So why would we think people on the LGBTQ spectrum would be any different? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I had this exact same conversation with a friend of mine not too long ago where he was uh, he, he was saying some really, really ignorant things. Um, and, and and I, you know, I said, man, listen, um, could you could you date me? And he said, what? <laughs> I said, could you date me? If I asked you out right now, could we go somewhere? Could we have a, you know, could we hook up? Man, hell no. I could. No. I was like, exactly. So when did you decide to be straight, my man? You know, 
And I said, and he was just like, you know, uh, well, that's, you know, it's different. I was like, no, it's not. It's not it's different not at different. all. <laughs> and, and listen, I, I also want to be clear because I, you know, I always fear when when we get into like these these conversations, or when I get into these conversations, yeah. uh, that that I'm going to say something. Oh, that's that's offensive to people that I don't want to be. I'm not. I don't want to be offensive to anybody. And and whatever I say, if somebody says, "Hey, that's offensive," and and tells me, I'll correct it. That's fine. I I don't mind at all on that. But you know, and so I know when when you say that there, you know, there were gay kids that acted a certain way or whatever. I know not all gay kids act that way or act yeah. in a certain way or that you could or that they're not. Uh, heterosexual kids who are effeminate as well. I also mm-hmm. know that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so, and there are all sorts of things in between and outside of those, uh, I, I don't, you know, definitions, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for people. And so, I, you know, that all I'm saying is, is I know it, it's one of the things that made me realize that that was not a choice from people that, that we knew early on uh, from from watching those kids that they weren't choosing to behave that way. This was mm-hmm. something that was that came natural to them. This was a natural flow of things, and and that's what made me. It really struck a chord with me because listen, I'm an, I'm an old white dude. I could be a white guy one thirty eight. Okay, you know you don't you don't know. I could be, and uh, I could be on the Republican ballot tomorrow. Nobody would know the difference. Okay, uh, uh, but uh, you know it's but. Seriously, it is, you know, yeah. I I just it it never made sense to me to hurt people's feelings, you know. Mm. And and I think once you you combine those things of not trying not trying to hurt anybody's feelings and and also realizing that this was a natural thing and that this is you, you wouldn't anymore make fun of of anybody else for their hair color or their eyes or anything else, you know, then why why are you making fun of somebody for this, you know? Mm. And it's not something to, to be done. And, you know, I thought, yeah. so I thought your column was, was very, very well done. And, um, Thanks, and yeah. And, and speaking of, of, you know, the Republicans and, you know, the, as I've, as I've numbered them, uh, Roy uh, Johnson, our friend, Roy Johnson, that they all like, well, we need to get on, we need to get Roy on here. I, that's a, yeah, that's a good idea. We need to get Roy on this damn great. podcast. I, yeah. I, he is, I've talked, I talked to Roy occasionally and, and he and yeah. I agree on a lot of things and you know how I like to have people on who I agree with and who agree with me and all that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's a, we do need, we need to get Roy on, man. I'll, I'll call, I'll send him a message and maybe we can get him on in a few weeks. We have, uh, uh, we have tentatively scheduled for, for next week, Doug Jones, and is going to come on and talk about uh, his Sherpa duties uh, as he ushered through uh, our, our latest uh, chief, or not chief, I was going to say chief justice. <laughs> if only. What are the odds? Um, I mean, so I, and, and not to take not to take anything away from what you're saying about Roy, because Roy, sharp guy, great journalistic history mm-hmm. there. Um, I'm glad that he's a part of that he's doing journalism now in the state of Alabama. Uh, I really love that. Uh, but I, but, but you brought up Doug and I, I mean, what are the odds that somebody could land in the history book in, in, you know, on not just one, you know, seminal mm-hmm. case, but two, yeah, I know, I man, mean, I know the, you know, with the, the, the thing with trying to, the killers of the four little girls at the church, mm-hmm. the, the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. And now with helping to usher in 
the the woman who's going to be the first black woman on the U.S. Supreme Court. What are the odds of that being know, the same person? Well, yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes when you're, you're when you're a good person and you uh, you know and and you want to do good things, then you mm-hmm. you do multiple good things, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's you're right though. It is it is pretty awesome. And and uh, you know, I want that's one of the things I'd like to talk to him about. Is I wonder if he's if he sat back and actually thought about. Um, you know, what, what his place in, in history for this, uh, is going to be, you know, and, uh, because I do think that he played a significant role in this. And I think I, I've talked to people on, uh, in DC and, in uh, Capitol Hill that, uh, you know, people who know, uh, who say that he, he, he played a pretty, pretty big role in here. And, you know, there, there was, uh, I, I want to say too, that I think that our outgoing, uh, uh, Republican, Senator, um, Shelby. he who didn't vote for, um, mm-hmm. who didn't vote for her, but I th- I would say that um, <clears throat> privately probably did <coughs> excuse me some work there. Well, you know, uh, I'm going to say uh, and that's an interesting. I-, I want you to flesh that out a little bit, but while you're while you're drinking your water and so <laughs> Sorry, forth, I don't yeah, know what happened. You- yeah, I got it, choked it, up trying to praise a Republican. That's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just wouldn't just your system. Yeah, my subconscious said, "Nope, uh, uh-uh, yeah. no, no, not today, brother." <laughs> you know, um, I I took note of the fact that uh, that Senator Shelby, while he indicated that he didn't vote for her, he was still very complimentary of her, which I thought was interesting. And 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 that's why, you know, I am very careful to not, you know, I mean, there, you know, I come down very hard on, on on Republicans and conservatives on a lot of things. But I also try to leave some room, um, you know, to acknowledge that they, you know, they're not all the same on everything. And 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 that just because somebody may not do what I want them to do, it doesn't mean that there's not some some uh some decency in that person and and I continually think when it comes to Richard Shelby I just you yes. know I'm not yes. even going to lie I'm just going to say it flat out I think he's an asset to the state I think he's been an asset to the state um I I didn't agree I certainly don't agree with his politics as a general rule mm-hmm. but I think he's a decent man I think he's a very smart savvy man I think he's done what we need an Alabama senator to do. And when it comes to this issue, I really appreciated the fact that he was not, you know, rabidly partisan, which is generally the way he's played it for the most part throughout his career. He has not been rabidly partisan and he he's, you know, he that that decent that streak of decency. Yeah, I think that's right. Comes um, and it and, came through. And you're, I think, you're right about that. Listen, I don't want to overstate, you know, that Richard Shelby did some great work here or anything like that. That's not true at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I, but I just think that he was, uh, you know, he, mm. he maybe uh, helped the process along some, uh, you know, in some way or his, his staff, you know, kind of helped the process along in some ways. But, you know, I, I also think, Honestly, mm. I'll say this. I think that had um, had he not had a protege running in a very Republican 2022 Republican race, um, I'm not so sure that he wouldn't have voted for. Um, but, you know, because uh, I, I, I think 
you know, I, and I, 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 I wish yeah. people who know him better would, would talk about this uh, some, and, and maybe they will after the the primary and and, and other things, or when uh, Judge Jackson actually takes the bench. I, I, you know, I just I think that in some way, shape, or form, they he saw it as a uh, something he wanted to to do and walk away with there, having done it, having you know been a part of putting the first black woman on the U.S. Supreme Court, but. Uh, you know, that, you know, politics rules today, I guess. And so, and so, you know, and that, listen, I, I find that deplorable. I really do. I really think that it's, it's a shame that, that you can't do what you know you should do. Um, and so, you know, uh, but. Well, can I, let me toss this at you mm-hmm. and see what you think. So I hear everything you're saying and I think it's all valid. I also wonder though, whether or not, and, whether or not Senator Shelby sees, almost sees this particular election as a life and death election. Because truth of the matter is, if, if, uh, if, if, if Katie Britt, his protege, does not end up being the Republican nominee, then what we're left with, perhaps, perhaps, is Mo Brooks, mm. perhaps, mm. you know, and and even though Mo is trailing right now and it doesn't look good, you know, uh, we still have to, you know, we still just have to see what happens on May the twenty fourth, and and I can imagine that while it's politics, you know, and I think you did some great analysis when you talked about why perhaps he didn't make a vote that he may have wanted to have made. The reality is, I think, I think, and I don't know that he would say it this explicitly at this point, but I have, I've gotten the sense that perhaps Shelby really thinks that the fate of our state hangs in the balance and we cannot afford to see Mo Brooks elected. So he doesn't want to do anything that's going to make that yeah. any easier. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I'll say this. I, I think right now the bigger, the bigger threat is Mike Durant. Um, uh, and, and certainly, you know, Mo Brooks has been one, but I think he has faded to the point of irrelevance in the, for the most part. Um, and just because, I mean, the, the Trump thing, the Trump endorsement is not worth much. The Trump attack is worth a lot. All right. It's it's not so much for Trump mm-hmm. to praise you. It's a lot for Trump to attack you. It means a lot more in the race. And I think mm-hmm. that's what did Jeff Sessions in. It wasn't an endorsement of Tommy Tuberville. It was the attack from Jeff Sessions that, that ended Jeff Sessions' political career. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that um, you're right, though. I, either way, I think you're right. I, Durant is not as, as insane as Mo Brooks, okay? Um, but right. to me, Durant is a bigger problem because he is, he's almost Steve Marshall-like where you, you look at him and he's not, and he doesn't say crazy things. He doesn't say crazy off the wall things. Most of the time I thought I did think the listening to black lives matter being atrocious uh, deal this last week was, was pretty crazy. But, um, but for the most part, he doesn't say off the wall, crazy things. He's a war hero. He's a guy who, if he is elected, will remain in, in the Senate for probably for life, you know. Um, but it would be almost impossible to get him out of there. And I, I think, to me, he has one tie to Alabama, and that's the company that's in Huntsville. Um, 
And other than that, he pretty much lives in either, uh, I believe it's either Maryland or Virginia and Colorado. He has a huge house in Colorado. Um, that, I mean, a really, really nice house in Colorado. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, I don't know why he doesn't run for Senate in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, because he could live there. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think that there's any real tie to this state other than that. He doesn't know anything about the needs of the state. He doesn't know anything about the needs of the people of the state. He has very few business, even business relationships with the people of the state because the majority of his business is done at a national federal level because he's a defense contractor. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I've said this before, and, you know, and I've, I've been pretty harsh on Mike Durant because of the way he, he treated his sister. And that's just never something I'm going to get past. I, you know, there is no explaining that uh, away. I, I just, you know, you can say whatever. To me, it speaks directly to the character of the guy, and I'll, I'll never be able to get past that. All right. But, I think that's I, you know, before yeah. knowing that. And, and even after knowing that, mm. having talked to a lot of people around here, progressives, you know, who who I know mm. from around here, they they really, really liked Mike Durant, the person. Uh, I mean, he pl- apparently played in mm. some some sort of uh, uh, pickup hockey league that was around uh, here uh, oh, was I mean, good. was great friends with a lot of people. They loved him. Uh, I mean, I apparently paid for a lot of stuff for the league and uh, did a lot of things for the people. And, and people really liked him and thought he was a great guy. And they are dumbfounded by the person he has become on the campaign trail to try to win the Senate seat. Um, but it, they also all say that he was very aloof. You know, that they, you know, you can never really have a, a relationship with the guy. He, he, you know, they love, you know, hanging around him and stuff, but he just wasn't there a whole lot of the time. And, and a lot of it, they kind of attribute to the fact that I, they didn't know if he lived here. Um, you know, and are like, you know, he had a house here, certainly, but, you know, I don't know if he actually called it home. And so that to me is a much bigger issue because. If you don't know the things that Richard Shelby knows and you don't know the people that Richard Shelby knows, how do you know what to send back here? You know, how do you know what to do in the appropriations bills and things that, you know, where you can actually get in and send money, the million, let's be honest, the billions upon billions of dollars that Shelby has sent back to this state because he understood how this system works and where the needs were of the state. And that's why people are so... You know, even if you're not a fan of Richard Shelby, you are respectful of the job Richard Shelby has done at at some level. You know, you may disagree with his social policies. You may disagree with some of the votes he's taken. Um, but, you know, even so, you may disagree with some of his fiscal policies. But at the same time, you do respect the way he has always looked out for Alabama and made sure that Alabama got the the proceeds it needed from the federal government. And I just don't know if that's going to be the case. And I think that's the, for really, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you care about here. You know, I mean, those guys, they're doing some things here or there, but socially, you know, what are they doing? You know, and, and Mike Durant and Katie Britt, they're going to vote the same on most of the social issues. So what you're trying to decide is who's going to bring home money for us? Right. You know, who's going to make business more, uh, you know, flourish more, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and who's going to have the money for the ports and the railways and the, you know, the roads and bridges and things. Right. Who's going to do that better? And I, I just, well, I, I can't, 
get behind Mike Durant doing that. She's she yeah. If if she ends up being the Republican nominee and if she ends up winning, she's going to be better positioned to do that than I think he would have been. And for no other reason, common sense tells us, than because she's already familiar with the playing field and the players, yeah. and she'll have the the reservoir of information and experience that she got from being Richard Shelby's chief of staff. Now, yes. my question about Durant <clears throat> is this. If he's got this big house and this 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 awesome crib in, in Colorado. Oh, dude, you got to see this place. It's know, unbelievable. It's why, unbelievable. So then why is he here? What 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 was the oh, it's reason? Oh, his company. It's you know the Huntsville's I mean, a defense contractors. Did, place, why did he know? Why did he launch it here? Why didn't he launch it there? They've got defense contractors in Colorado. I, I think maybe he bought. Well, I think he launched the company here, and then he bought the house out there. You know what I mean? Uh, and, okay, so and, and there may have been something that took him there and, and made him buy it. I, I'm not sure how, how it went down. Well, what what uh, brought him? Do you know what brought him to Alabama? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they started the company. Yeah, he started the company here in Alabama. But why here uh, is what I'm asking. I, I think just simply because you know that that sector of of things and where and what he was trying to do. You know, and it's his business is really weird too. It's 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 kind of hard to define what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think the relationships that were present in Huntsville. Uh, played a huge role in that. And mm. so I think that's the reason why it started here was it had to do with the relationships. And I know that's a very vague answer. And the reason is because I don't actually know the specifics. Uh, so, uh, but I believe that to be the case. I believe he, he started the business here because the relationships were here. And, and so that's the, you know, and then the business took off and, um, and he's made millions upon millions of dollars here. And then that led to the purchase of that very nice. I, I want to say it's like a six or seven million dollar house out there. Uh, but I mean, it is it is freaking well, spectacular. I mean, it is freaking spectacular. I haven't seen the house. I don't know anything about it. But I but I can say this without knowing anything. Mm-hmm. That six or seven million dollars that he spent in Colorado <laughs> would have gone a whole lot further here in Alabama. Yes, it would have. Yeah, yeah but you wouldn't. You know, you, you you probably wouldn't have gotten the views. Uh, well, it's well. Uh, yeah, okay. If it's mountain vistas and and all of that. Well, listen, I I'll, I'll say this. I you know you first of all, if I'm spending six million dollars on it, it's going to be surrounded by water. Uh, so you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and be very hard for anybody else to get to. Uh, so uh, I'm you know it's Wi-Fi and the and the family, and I'm out. Uh, and and there's going to be waves at some point uh, rolling in on one side of the place or the other. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know it, it's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but you know, uh, and I'm. Cause I didn't. I, I liked Colorado final. I liked the people. Liked the views and all that. I was not. I was not a fan of the atmosphere. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know. No, you mean the thin, the thin air. The, yeah, uh, I, I was not yeah. a fan. It yeah. did not did not affect me well. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, to each their own out there. Mm-hmm. Um, right wing nuts because we're gonna have two, um, and and they are Barry Moore and Mo Brooks. Um, our our, our right, right wing nuts this week, and um, and they they were called out. They were caught. Uh, Kevin McCarthy caught on a tape um, this week discussing some of his <laughs> Republican colleagues and their statements leading up to the January sixth uh, insurrection slash stupid coup coup attempt. Um, uh, they um, and Mo Brooks and Barry Moore were two of the ones that he mentioned specifically on these tapes, and. Uh, Talked about Mo Brooks' uh, speech at the Ellipse and 
uh, and what he had done and Barry Moore talking about arresting uh, the people that were doing the arresting. Um, and I, it, and really, he wanted to strip Mo Brooks of his committee uh, memberships and uh, wanted to figure out something to do with, with Barry Moore and how stupid he was. And no. um, ultimately, they did nothing. So, you know, right on, right on cue with the, uh, with the Republican plan. They did nothing to anybody for anything. It sure is so, a bad look for our state I, that we've got uh, people that, uh, you know, are taking government salaries, pledged to support the Constitution, and yet they were involved mm-hmm. in, in the, 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 the first act of insurrection in modern times. I mean, it's just, it's really crazy. It is that man. I um, I don't know. I, I they just God. It, I wish you know. Honest to God, I, what's crazy about it mm. is I wish people cared more. I really do. Uh, I get the feeling that in this state, they ha- there is zero political consequence for for any of those guys. Um, I mean, but and and they they actively pushed a lie, um, and and. You know, they, that's what they did. They started early on and they've pushed an outright lie about the, the election being stolen um, and, and people, uh, you know, t- taking an election away from from a presidential candidate. And yep. and they, they knew it was a lie. And and a lot of these people knew that what they were doing was, was harmful. And they went about trying to subvert the process of electing a United States president. And the transition of, uh, you know, peaceful transition of power that has always occurred here. They went about undermining that. And I mean, that's never happened in the history of our country. What took place on January 6th has never occurred before. And I, honest to God, it, I, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if, if somebody had, you know, been, a, it, it been attacked, if a, if a member of Congress had been attacked by some of those people. There, if things would be different, because you know that's it's because it, it is a difference in saying, listen, that's almost what happened. You know, that's what they were going. They had gallows outside. Yeah. For God's sakes, they had gallows outside. They were yeah. chanting, "Hang Mike Pence." They were trying to break through doors to get to the where the elected people were behind those guys before the Ashley, whatever her name is, got shot. Um, you know, that's right behind those officers yeah. were the elected members of Congress and. You know, and they were going to overthrow the Congress and stop them from counting the electoral votes. That was their purpose to mm. do that. And they were sent there by the former president who watched, to do that. They told them to. Who, yeah. Who watched it unfold on television and did nothing. And he, did despite nothing. people trying to implore and people imploring him to do something. He His did son. Nothing. Yeah. His son imploring him to do mm-hmm. something. He did nothing. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's it was such a dark dark day and and to see these people just continue on with this absolute horseshit is and they're and to not not only not suffer any consequences from it but to actually politically gain from it because you've so suckered in this this group of voters into believing this absolute nonsense by you know having them live in this conservative bubble it's just god it's it's so unbelievably frustrating it really it is really is frustrating it really yeah. is. Yeah, well. That's why yeah. we got to keep fighting the good fight, man. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And you know what? But we're, we're done fighting it for today uh, <laughs> and for this week. We're going to get the hell out of here. And then uh, we'll 
come back next week uh, and uh, you know, hopefully have, have more fight in us. Because it takes a week to get the fight built up. Uh, that's that's right. what it happens. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.